The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, we say good morning to Richard Krause, host of the podcast. Last call with Richard Krause, Robert Benzie, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star, Sunera Chaudhry, employment lawyer at Workley Law. And actually, Sunera, I don't know if you were listening when I was highlighting from a uh, Toronto Star profile of women in the legal profession, but they say they haven't had a Me Too moment. And even if women are now more than 50% of the grads from law school, they're still enduring plenty of sexism in the workplace. Yeah, John, um, that's certainly the case, especially in the private sector. I mean, there's a sneaky little stat that many women uh, that um, go to law school, they leave private practice usually by their fifth year uh, of practice because of that, uh, I think, high level of sexism. So after the fifth year, to find a woman in private practice um, in the legal profession in Canada is becoming more and more rare. So uh, there's definitely definite truth to it. And uh, whether or not there's going to be a Me Too moment, I don't know, because a lot of women feel like they've spent a lot of money and a lot of time to get into the legal industry. And so it's it's that much more of a of a benefit, I suppose, to to stay quiet about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, what a waste of resources when you think how hard it is to get into law school, how you have to study in law school, how you have to article, and then you're out in five years. Uh, Let's go to Queen's Park. Robert Benzie, you are the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, so I'll let you go first. They get back to session today. Paul Calandra sounded very um, enthusiastic about getting back to work, although he brushed off Scott Reed's criticism, which is the omnibus bill is about a bunch of things they're not going to do and a bunch of things they're going to repeal. Well, I, and and Scott made a good point, but Paul Calandra, uh, obviously, as government house leader and as housing minister, he's kind of on the defensive on 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 that. I mean, the the Get It Done Act, which is coming 628 days after they were reelected on the slogan "Get It Done," um, <laughs> is is uh, is, is going to be introduced today. And 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 there's a lot of stuff in it that's gimmicky, uh, including this referendum on a carbon tax uh, for future government. Because one of the things, it's one of the dirty little secrets about the the conservative government, uh, John, is that they have imposed two different carbon taxes, actually, uh, one in 2023, last year, and one the year before on industrial polluters and one to encourage uh, green energy. And and these are noble things. And it shows that carbon pricing actually can affect behavior. And, and that's why this conservative government is doing that. Now, they don't like the federal carbon pricing. And that's why they're trying to do this kind of gimmick legislation. But the truth of the matter is they have carbon taxes and they impose them without any referendum. So... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they can circle that square. All right. Richard Krause, I think it's mostly for pointy-headed wonks with respect to our friend Robert Benzie, <laughs> who, you know, circled this date on the calendar. Fraptious joy. We're getting back to session. But still, you know, it's it's nice to kind of take a pulse of where we are on this first day back. And also, Bonnie Crombie's going to be making an appearance and there's going to be question periods. So there's going to be plenty of heat today. Yeah, I think it'll be kind of an exciting day to be there. I agree with Robert, though. I think a lot of the stuff that will get discussed today is a little gimmicky. And uh, the the phrase, you know, get it done, uh, let's get moving forward, all that stuff sounds really good. Uh, but as you say, it comes, you know, hundreds of days after they campaigned on it. And where is all the action? I think all that people want in this province right now, uh, or in, I'll speak specifically as a Torontonian, someone who lives downtown, I want to see things getting done, and I, but I want to feel like they're getting done. And I don't feel like anything is getting done right now. I feel like we're talking about getting things done. 
on. I feel like there's a great deal of conversation about it, but I don't feel any real change in the air. And that is, to me, what's disappointing about this whole thing. Yeah, and Sanira Chaudhary promising no road tolls. I mean, you don't have to pass legislation for that, for Pete's sake. Yeah. And uh, of course, John, people want to hear, as I think uh, Richard rightly pointed out, a bit more of the meat and potatoes, which uh, for a lot of Ontarians, it's it's this, it's this idea of affordable housing. It's been thrown around this term so much. It's, it's become something of fantasy fiction rather than something anybody actually expects. But I think people really are interested in this. I mean, we know uh, there's there's a bit of a a crisis when it comes to education, post-secondary education. We have university universities in Ontario saying they're shutting down programs for lack of funding and revenue. I mean, there are some really key issues that I think people, parents in particular, people who are renting, looking to own, people are, who are looking to move to Canada, keenly going to be interested in hearing about, especially because Ontario is, you know, the, the economic hub of, of this country. Toronto is certainly that. And uh, you you want to see some movement and you, and you want to see this, this city and the country thriving again. One file that would be nice to see the government turn its attention to would be an impending shortage. Actually, we already have a shortage, but an even more acute shortage of home care workers. And Richard Krauss kind of went around the horn with the woman responsible for this report this morning, or the woman who heads up the organization that produced the report. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, home care workers are not properly compensated. It's no wonder yep. there aren't enough people in the profession. That's the bottom line. Pay these people properly, pay them uh, as though it is, uh, you know, a respected profession, and you'll have more people signing up to do the job. It doesn't seem that difficult uh, an equation uh, to figure out for me. This is something as we age and people are living longer and uh, people are more in need of care uh, in their later years, we simply don't have the, the people to look after us and we're going to need it and pay them, just pay them. And you you will see an influx, I guarantee you, you will see an influx of people uh, signing up to do these jobs. Although, Sanira Chaudhry, the problem is often it's going to be on the public ticket and people are going to say, this is just too much money. We can't look after everybody. Well, it's it's straddling an interesting thing here, John, because, you know, we know that a lot of nurses and, and are, are leaving the public sector, the hospitals for the private sector. Mm-hmm. And a lot of PSWs are actually employed by private companies like independent contractors. And they are then taking up these contractual issues if they are underpaid. They're often being underpaid by private companies, not the public sector. Um, And so we have these two critical issues, right? We don't have enough staffing in hospitals. We don't have enough PSWs in the private sector. And so whatever way you look at it, a lot of these healthcare workers are are just receiving the short end of the stick. And uh, during the pandemic, there were a number that were unbacked as an example. They were shunned from the public sector, still looking for work. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, frankly, very, uh, uh, very qualified individuals who just can't seem to find work right now. And that's something that I, unfortunately, you know, Ontario needs to deal with very, very quickly. But this nuance, it's very, very fractured between the public and the private sector. Okay. Robert Benzie, your thoughts? No, I, I, Sanir makes a very good point. The other challenge, of course, John, is you, you want people to remain in their homes as long as they can to take the burden off of long-term care because there's, a, a, I think, a waiting list of around 40,000 
uh, for a long-term care bed. So you want to keep people at home, but you can't keep people at home if they can't get personal service workers or, or home care workers to come in. Uh, and and uh, Richard's right, you've got to pay these folks. And unfortunately, uh, for whatever government is in power at the, to- at the time, this is something that's going to be more and more of a priority. First of all, older people are people who vote and or their or their kids are the ones who are voting you know their kids being people in their 40s and 50s want their elderly parents to 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 be cared for so this is something that's going to be a much bigger pressure point on governments uh, as we live longer and also having seen what happened in the pandemic we know the stresses on the system and we know that some of the solutions are keeping people in, in their own homes rather than in long-term care homes. Stats Canada keeps tabs on all kinds of things, including how people feel about their quality of life, how they feel about the quality of their health, whether or not they're happy in life. There's actually a whole discipline these days of trying to measure happiness. The latest stats show that younger people seem to be fairly gloomy, and especially renters over owners. Sunira, uh, perhaps not surprising, because I'd imagine if the Canadian dream is to own a home, then a lot of people who rent regret having to rent. Rent. Yeah, absolutely, John. And I think people thought, at least for a long time, that renting in a lot of ways would be cheaper than owning, giving people at least some opportunity to save to eventually own. And now, given what rents are um, in this country, that uh, ideal is quickly slipping away. But I think the other piece to it, I've lived downtown for a little over 10 years. Um, I rarely knew my neighbors. I know my neighbors now. I, I left them a box of chocolates on Christmas, mm-hmm. and that's how we finally got to, you know, know each other because um, it's it's so transactional. I think in a lot of these buildings, a lot of people are moving in and out, as an example, and um, I, I think that that sense of community and a lot of buildings especially i just i can only say for toronto isn't there so even though we're living so closely to one another that feeling that we have neighbors that we have community that we're there to you know get a a cup of sugar from your neighbor i mean that just doesn't exist it would almost appear weird if a neighbor like knocked on 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 your door to ask you for something and and that's really been lost i think in this sort of condo living environment yeah and you can take this in any direction robert because there were about six different measures but you know to springboard off of what sanira said i guess we're lucky on our street because everybody walks to the local stores so we see each other all the time there's plenty of eyes on the street and everybody stops to yak yeah, and it's the same on my street, but I think Senor makes a very good point. It is different in condos. Yeah. The one the one thing I would say, though, John, okay, you and, and Richard and I are Gen Xers, so Senor is younger than us, but don't you guys remember in the late 80s, early 90s, it was pretty gloomy for us as young people in our in our in our late 20s early 30s it was you know the time of kurt cobain and grunge and 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 and, and boomers boomers had all the jobs and we were and the gen xers were like we're looking at at them you know woefully and i don't remember in my 20s ever thinking how am i going to be able to afford a house because it just never occurred to me that i would Mm -hmm. ever be able to do that now i know house prices are are prohibitively expensive in toronto and i get that but the idea that this is the first time this has happened in history is preposterous it was always uh, tricky being young. This is nothing yeah. new. The Sex Pistols wrote No Future yeah, yeah. in 1976. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. th- this is not, uh, I don't think, a new story. And the idea that uh, people living in larger centers are uh, a little bit unhappier, I get that. I mean, I've lived in both uh, big cities, I've lived in small towns, and in small towns, generally speaking, you have a bigger sense of community than you do in big cities. But you can create your own sense of community in a big city by 
uh, you know, joining clubs, playing basketball, figuring out, you know, there, there are ways to create a life in a big city that will give you a sense of that community and perhaps take some of the edge away. Now, you still may not be able to afford a house, but at least uh, you've got uh, a social aspect to your life that is positive and makes you feel better about where you are living. Although, Robert Benzie, a lot of our regret and lamentation in the late 1980s might have been due to the, all the fashion, terrible fashion choices we made in the <laughs> mid-1980s. I mean, let it never be Le, for yourself Le more. Yeah. Le Chateau, is Le Chateau still around, John? I don't know if it yeah. still is. I'm not sure, but it's funny you mentioned because that's what I was thinking about. Now, I always remember we'd go to Le Chateau and buy a jacket for $49 and then wonder why it fell apart on the second wearing. <laughs> but those shoulder pads were awesome, weren't they? Shoulder pads and sun in, two things I regret tremendously. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. Nice to finish on a cheery note. Sunera Chaudhry, Robert Benzi, and Richard Krause. And for those for whom sun in doesn't mean a thing, um, sun in was this thing you would spray on your hair, and then in the sunshine, your hair would go blonde. So naturally, in the early 1980s, as a fan of the police, I wanted blonde hair. What they didn't tell you is if you are a redhead, it just turns coppery you know, color orange, and it was a really unfortunate situation. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.